0: Welcome, everybody, to week two of Forgotten Virtues. Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers. We pray that you feel incredibly honored. Next week, I'll be speaking on one of the Forgotten Virtues. We're going to be talking about loyalty. This week, though, we have a very important subject. We're going to talk about purity. And in the whole world, there's no person that I would rather speak on this subject than one of the most pure and most godly people I know last week we talked about honor, and I'd love to give you a chance to honor our guest speaker today. She happens to be my best friend. She happens to be my wife. She happens to be the mother of my six kids, and she happens to be a great kisser, and only I would know that. Would you please honor my wife, Amy Groschel? Thank
1: you. Thank you. It is such an honor to share with you on Mother's Day weekend. I never imagined that I would have uh, such an amazing husband who would give me this opportunity. I never imagined that I would have six children. We always thought we'd have just two kids. That's what we came from growing up. And it is truly an honor. And I do want to wish the mothers a happy Mother's Day. We Mm. love you, mothers. And as a mom, uh, you know, I just... Appreciate everything that, that you do. I want to honor my mom today. I want to honor my mother in love, Craig's mother, today. And um, moms are special. And when you're not a natural mom, you're a spiritual mom in Christ. And I honor you as well uh, as spiritual moms today. So let's get started in our message of purity. And I want to start by uh, finding out if anybody's ever been on a, a carnival ride called the Zipper. Anyone know about the Zipper? It is a carnival ride. It was, I loved this ride. It was my favorite ride when I would go to a carnival. And when I was 17, I went on a zipper ride with my girlfriend. And we got on, and we're waiting for the ride to start. And uh, all of a sudden, as we're waiting in our little cage, and there's a picture of the zipper here too, we're on this, inside this little cage, and all of a the sudden, there's a person above us in their cage who apparently had been on the ride and threw up. And it, the contents fell all in our cage. And we're screaming, get us out of here, get us off the ride. It was too late. I am not kidding. This happened. Who, who does this happen to? This happened to us. And the ride starts, and this is a ride that turns you continually as you're going up and down and out and in and all around. This ride is tossing. We are tossed in vomit. <laughs> I, I, I think the guy had spaghetti. And we get off of this ride and we are covered. Everything is covered in this person's vomit. And I'm telling you, that that is not an example of purity. (laughs) That is not what's pure. That is, I don't know how I lived it. Uh, But uh, after that, no one wanted to go near me. But I was on a mission. I was on a mission to the nearest water source, the nearest restroom, to get pure. I was on a mission because of the impurity that was all over me. Now who here is like a germaphobic? You just have to wash your hands. Come, nobody's raising their hands. Lord. I, I don't want to admit that I totally freak out when I shake a lot of people's hands. I have to have hand sanitizer with me at all times. And you, know, you see this everywhere we go now. It's amazing how the hand sanitizers are everywhere. Every, a bottle at a checkout stand at the store. And there's just a phobia because everyone wants to avoid sickness. And, you know, who wants to be sick? I'm with you. We know now with science that germs make you sick, and so we should avoid it. Nobody wants to be sick. It's not fun. But let's contrast that to how much as believers do we go about avoiding the pollutants and the contaminations of sin that can contaminate us, because sin, there's always a price, and it's not fun. I've been there and done that. I've been impure, and I've lived the life, and I have, I have not had the filters and brought in the filth that, have, that has contaminated me, and it is not fun. It is worse, in my opinion, than being sick. There are serious consequence, consequences that can even lead to death, just like sickness, and so I want to talk to you today about pursuing the mission of purity And I think that uh, too many of us, because I see it in our American, especially our American US culture of Christianity, have the world at this standard, and we're comparing ourselves to the world, and we're here as a church going, hmm, we're doing pretty good. But look, the God standard is way over here, a totally different level of purity. Because even Isaiah, the man of God, in uh, when he saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and he saw him in all of his glory, he said, woe to me. And he was a righteous man. He realized his impurity. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And I want us to realize that we have to be on a mission to avoid the contaminants, the pollutants of spiritual impurity as much, and be, uh, have a phobia of that, as much as we are a- against sickness and not wanting to, to suffer in a, in a sick way. Well, so why have we forgotten as a culture? Why are we here? And why is God's standard here? And why uh, the gap? I think it's because we have forgotten who we are. We have forgotten who we are. See, if you know who you are, you're gonna know what to do, right? Mamas, when you have a baby and the baby's crying, you know what to do, because you're the mama. So you go and feed that baby or check on that baby when they're crying. And when your child gets hurt, you may need to go and get the Band-Aid out of the medicine cabinet, because you're the mom and you know what to do. And when you have a teenager that's starting to drive, you're the mom, so what do you do? You start to pray. (laughs) You do. And we have a 16-year-old now that's starting on that journey. So I know. We're starting to pray. And so when you know who you are, you know what to do. My dad used to say this to me when I was a teenager, and he dropped me off somewhere, which I just really honestly didn't like. But he would say, Amy, he's such a godly man. Amy, remember who you are. And he wasn't saying, you're part of our family. He was saying, you're a child of God. You're a believer, you're a Christian, a Christ one. Who are you? Do you know who you are, ladies? Do you really know it? We need a revelation of who we are. We know up here the Christian answers of who we are. I know I'm a child of God and that sort of thing, but you need to have new eyes to see that who you are in Christ completely changes everything. It can change everything. Let's look at Ephesians 1 verse 4. It says, Christ chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. As believers, you're a new creation. And I don't know about you, but when something's new, I really wanna protect it and keep it clean and keep it pure. We're new creations. The old has gone, and we have to keep the old from staying gone, unfortunately, because it wants to, my dead, my dead man wants to keep rising again and resurrecting. But we are chosen by God. We are loved. And not only are we loved and are we the masterpiece of God and adopted children, but look at this picture as re- in regards to purity. We are the bride of Christ, You are the bride of Christ. If you know who you are, you're gonna know what to do. And what does a bride do? What is the calling on a bride's life? The bride is on a mission, is she not? She's preparing herself for a wedding. And we need to be on a mission, preparing ourselves. And at the same time that she's preparing and planning, she is enjoying a relationship that's intimate with the groom. Our heavenly father is our bridegroom and our eyes and our hearts need to be all his, totally faithful to him. And a bride knows what to do. She is loyal and faithful to her groom. So why do we go out and contaminate ourselves as brides and allow things into our lives that are not pure? John, uh, chapter, uh, John chapter 3, verse 29, says that the bride belongs to the bridegroom. We are not our own. When you are a Christian, when you're a believer, your life is not your own. You were purchased by the blood of Christ. And now you're not the same. You're ha- you have a call on your life. That is not of your own. It is for him and his glory. And what is God's true ultimate call for all of us? And here's where it gets down to really what purity is. Your calling is to be like him. The longer that I'm married to Craig, and it's been uh, 19 beautiful years now, just about 19 years, the more that we become alike, we have... We are complete opposites in our temperament, but we have the same type of thoughts and humor now. We have this we have like-mindedness. We have we have the same phrases that we use because we have spent time together all these years. There is great faithfulness and commitment to one another and we love each other. And we enjoy our fellowship with one another, but we become alike. And As God as our Heavenly Father is our groom our eyes are to be on him and our call is to become like him well let me ask you this are you becoming more like the world I mean who are you becoming are you becoming more like what the world looks like or are you looking more and more like your bridegroom are you looking more like Christ because really Christ is the standard of purity and we are in him and we're called to be like Him. And so it's not enough just to compare ourselves to Miss Sarah and Miss Mary next, next to us. But to look at Christ. And when our eyes are on Him, Hebrews chapter 12, it's not in your notes, but it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He is the author. He's the perfecter of our faith. He is the sanctifier, the purifier. We cannot do it. Get your eyes off yourself. There's too many women that are trying in their own strength to be pure. You already have been made pure, but your calling is to begin to cooperate. You are called to be holy. Uh, First Peter Chapter 1, verse 14, says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you was holy, be holy in all you do. Not in just some things that you do, but in all you do, it is our calling to be holy. I personally can't do this. But Jesus is in me, and he is with me. And if I take his word at his word and obey it, he will do things in me. And he has. I look back, and Craig says, I can't think of anybody that I would uh, rather speak on purity. And if I think back to my past, some people that were there with me and heard, hear him say that <laughs> would dr- drop their jaw and say, Whatever. <laughs> Like I said, I've been there and done that, but God's the one that's been faithful. As I've looked to him for my source, for my health, uh, my help and my strength, he is my righteousness. He is my sanctifier. He is the one who can m- not just be holiness for us. He is our righteousness, but we can become that as we are called to be because he also tells us we're called to renew. And we hear this verse a lot in Romans chapter 12, that not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed. Renew your mind. It's a calling. It's, it's a command, really. We are to renew our minds. And not only when you renew something, uh, you're making it new, right? You're making it as it should be. And so when you are doing that, once it's where it should be, don't you want to protect that renewal? You want to protect it so as you renew your mind you can't go and start contaminating it again with all the filth and so and i know we live in a culture just you're bombarded you just going outside of your house bombard you with immorality you're amongst the of a people of unclean lips and hearts there's wickedness everywhere you can turn on the computer and just see little ads that look like soft porn it's everywhere the impurity and the temptations are everywhere and but you have to guard it you have to protect your purity it's not just going to uh be this thing where you renew it and then you just let it be and you let it all go You have to guard it and protect it. Protect what you see, protect what you hear. Your mind has to be guarded and protected. Your heart, we have to train ourselves to be godly, build ourselves up in our most holy faith. And that's our job. It's our calling to renew our mind. We are called to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. When he says in James 1, don't just listen to my words Do what I say. Don't just listen to the word. When you read the Bible, do what it says. It is the command of God. It will bring life to abundance when we live it. I used to be afraid if I obeyed, then I would lose some pleasure of my life. That's such a lie. You end up gaining, you end up gaining peace and joy. You end up gaining life that is really life. When you take God's word, His word, and you trust Him and you cooperate, He will make you holy. He will take you to that level of purity that you had never imagined possible. If you cooperate, if you renew, if you protect, you will become like Christ. I haven't arrived. I have, and none of us have. But that doesn't matter. The Bible says we are to aim for perfection. It is our goal. It's my mission. I'm running this race, and I'm going to, like Hebrews 12 said, I'm going to throw off everything that hinders me. I am going to take, throw off every sin that is trying to entangle me, and I'm going to run the race to win, and that's what we've got to do, not only because it can do us great damage, because there's always a price with sin, And Craig taught us in honor that not, or in one message that not everything, everything is, um, not everything is beneficial. Everything can be permissible in Christ because we're free, but not everything's beneficial. So the the things that aren't beneficial can be a great detriment. And so it's so important. And people are going to look at you when you cooperate with the Spirit of God, and they are going to say. I want what that person has. I want that. They're gonna see the righteousness of Christ be manifested in your life. And I know deep down, that's what we all want as believers, but it's not gonna happen if we don't cooperate. So are you cooperating? Are you conforming to the world standard or out of insecurity and a desperation to be loved? And I know what that is like that you just decide that you're going to compromise because you want love so badly, you need attention so badly, and you're comparing yourself so much to everyone else that you can't seem to keep your eyes on the groom because that's where it is. Our eyes must be on the bridegroom, and our heart must be um, looking to him and not to the world. So are you cooperating? We're going to look at our lives. Let's look at our lives, women, at the verse that's directed to us in 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 3 says, Your adornment must not be merely external, the braiding of the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle, quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. I want my father, my bridegroom, to look at something precious when I live my life. And uh, the word gentle, quiet spirit. Okay, some of us women, we're just not wired gentle, quiet spirits. We have, we're a little bit more outgoing, but so I, I checked into this in the Greek language. The word gentle is actually better translated as humble. And the quiet is really a rested spirit. You're, you're rested in who you are. It is well with your soul. And your spirit is humble. You're humbled in a rested spirit. You can still be you and the beauty of who you are. But let that be the hidden person that people see. When I think of people that are truly beautiful, when I think of women who truly are just gorgeous beyond belief, these women are are women that have this quality. It's the inner beauty of the heart. I think of women with great deeds like Mother Teresa. She's beautiful, not outwardly, but we all love and admire her inner beauty. I think of women who have joy and they're smiling. Women that are content. This This godliness is so beautiful. And I pray that we would just have it permeate the churches where People would look on to the Bride of Christ and the women in the church and go, "Something is so unique about those women. It's not prudish, it's not church lady it's just <laughs> it's just special it's reverent before the Lord so is it is this you? Does this describe you, this woman, this hidden person of the heart? The sad thing is that A lot of us, in conforming to the world, the women, they're more characterized as rude, loud, overbearing. They're selfish, vain, even vulgar, rebellious. Sometimes this can be me. I can be, in my flesh, any and everything ugly and repulsive. I don't want to be characterized as that. I want a mission. I'm on a mission for purity. I'm on a mission for righteousness. And I just tell God in my quiet time, I am pursuing you. I am pressing in. I want righteousness. I need more of you. I want to love you, Father, with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. And I tell him that. And I let him know, I am running hard after you, Father. Because it changes me as I say it and I pray it and I mean it, and He sanctifies and purifies. So, when we look at our lives and we see this, this, these women, um, think of Proverbs eleven. <laughs> this is kind of funny, but Proverbs eleven, chapter uh, Proverbs eleven, verse twenty-two says. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. No discretion is having good sense and good judgment. And I think that sometimes we just need to wake up and realize, oh, we're going with the world standard, and we are really looking like pigs with rings in their noses and looking pretty stupid. That's not real cute, is it? It is, what, it's not cute. It's not fitting. Now, Let's look at our lives. If clothes could talk, what would clothes say? Think about your clothes and what you wear. What would they say? You know, it's sad, but when you look at some women and how they dress, some of them, their clothes say, I'm insecure. Sometimes they're just saying, I'm cool. It's kind of pride. Some of them are saying, I'm easy. Look at me. I'm sexy. I'm hot. Some clothes are saying, Will you just love me? Some clothes are saying, I'm hiding. Some clothes are saying, I'm pretty important. See this label? (laughs) Some clothes to the woman who's pursuing purity say, I'm pure. I'm chosen. I'm special. I'm loved. I am holy, and we can dress like that, women. Now, uh, let's not be a source of temptation. You know, Jesus said that to cause a man to lust, uh, is he's committing adultery in his heart. So I don't want us to be a source of temptation. I want to honor not just brothers in Christ, but all men, because we represent Christ. And I used to look at this in... Um, I used to really have a lot of foolishness in my heart regarding modesty in my dress. It was just an immaturity in my life, and I, um, my, my modesty standards were circumstantial. It was who I was with. If I went on vacation, the standard changed. If I went to church, the standard was a little different. If I was going to see with church friends, that was different. Just subtle changes in the standard of my modesty, depending on where I was. But when I renewed my mind with the truth, the truth is, can I wear, wherever I go, a name badge that says, I represent Jesus Christ, I am his ambassador. If I can wear that, I am the bride of Christ. If every shirt and every bed, every clothing that you wore said, I'm the bride of Christ, that's the standard. Could you dress, just go ahead and dress as you would, before the throne, and then we'll be all okay. I don't want anybody to stumble. I don't want to be a distraction, and I know that you don't want to either, but if your eyes are on Christ, because I think so many of us dress out of insecurity, get your eyes off of yourself and know that you're loved, you're pure, you're accepted, you're holy, you are accepted, you are chosen. You do not have to dress for any approval of anyone, any man or anything. You are loved. So don't be that source of temptation. First Timothy says, I want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothes, not drawing attention to themselves. By the way, they fix their hair and expensive clothes and jewelry. But really what, what the key is here is women that claim to be devoted to God need to make themselves beautiful by the good things that they do so that our focus isn't on all our image and what we look like, it's okay, and we need to represent Christ in everything that we do, our clothes talk. But it's in what we do, it's how we live. Our actions speak louder than our words. Now, I wanna give a couple of suggestions that might just be really helpful. Uh, I know, (laughs) married women. If you want to dress provocatively, and I know your husbands want you to do that, some of a- please. I want you to do this. I want you to do this in the privacy of your bedroom. Please save it for the bedroom. Now, if you're not sure what to wear as a standard for women, if you're not sure, don't wear it. Just don't wear it. And young ladies at home, you're um, to honor your parents. Honor your parents and their opinions. Whether you agree with them or not, please honor your parents. They want to protect you. Now, here's something that I really think is awesome. I hope everybody does this. There's an awesome survey, uh, the Revolution Modesty Survey, that everybody needs to go check out on on this website. And this is over 1,600 men who were polled, and they give their opinions about uh, uh, different areas of modesty. And it's very detailed, very specific, very eye-opening, very revealing. Please, please go see this survey because you will get a revelation of what men go through. Now, the, uh, the last thing, and I'll close with this, is that above all, we have to pursue our Bridegroom. We're the Bride of Christ, and we have to pursue God. And I think to sum everything up, purity is becoming like Jesus, and that's our calling, and we're the Bride of Christ. And so um, there's a famous proverb, Proverb 31, the Proverbs 31 woman, the, uh, the next to last verse, Proverbs 31, uh, verse 30 says, charm is deceitful, beauty is fame, and a woman who fears the Lord is praised. I have uh, paraphrased that after looking into the Hebrew to say, um, to say what it really means. It means good deeds, because even those actions that we do that say, hey, I'm a pretty good Christian. The good deeds, they actually can be have deceitful motives. And the outer beauty is empty and it's shallow. But it is the woman who fears the Lord who should be praised. So, Father, I pray that this message would just go deep down into our spirits as women. And we would live on a mission with a new revelation that we are the bride. We are your bride. And you are the one who makes us pure, Father. I thank you, God. That you are the living water who washes away my sin, removes it, makes me whiter than snow. To all who call on your name, God, you forget our sins and you remove them as far as the east is from the west. Thank you for your love that's immense in our lives. And God, I pray that women um, would live pursuing you, God. Pursuing you, knowing who they are. Father we put our eyes on you. In Jesus' name.
0: As we continue in an attitude of prayer at all of our locations, let's just uh, focus our hearts on God. Just just keep praying today. Father, I ask that you would reveal to all of us any areas of our own lives where we are impure. And God, I know that uh, this message in so many ways was for the women, but God, I think all of us could hear the voice of your Spirit as you're speaking to us. It's so easy, God, we know to compare ourselves to others, but when we compare ourselves to your Son, it becomes increasingly obvious where we um, have conformed to this world. As you keep praying today at all of our churches and at church online, many of you, you're going to recognize right now there are some areas of your life that have conformed to this world it could be uh, you're immodest it could be that your thought life is impure it could be that you have lustful thoughts it could be that you're you're entertaining yourself with sinful images and and even on the television shows you watch or or where you drift in things in 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 your computer and, and and what you're seeing at all of our locations if you sense right now any area of impurity and you'd like to take this before god i believe not only will he forgive you but he'll also begin to cleanse you with the power of his word and his, his spirit. So let's take a moment and do that. At all of our churches, those of you would say, you know, there really are some areas that are probably not pleasing to God, and I want to take a moment and confess that before him and find his healing and cleansing. Would you just lift up your hands right now? All, all of our locations, those of you saying yes, just lift up your hands and say, before God, this is it. D- do this right now. Just um, in the privacy of your own prayer, would you just not out loud, but in prayers to God, just confess it to him and say, this is what it is. God, just give it a name. I'm, um, I've been immodest. I'm having lustful thoughts. I've, um, it could be you're engaged in something that would v- very much break the heart of God. Just confess it to him right now. And as you're confessing to him, let me just remind you what his word says, that if we can s- confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As you're confessing today as a representative of God, I just want to say your sins are forgiven. Now, Father, I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would start to renew our minds. God, I ask that there, those who maybe are trapped, they would confess their, their sins to someone else, and we would pray for each other that we could be healed. I pray that we'd put even in our lives the appropriate forms of accountability, those to hold one another accountable, to, to pray for each other. And God, we ask that, that by your power, we would not conform to this world, but instead, we would be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. As we keep praying today, I know many of you, as you, you, you look at your lives, you may say, you know, I, I, there, there's nothing even close to being pure in my life. And the reality is that's a very true and biblical statement. As Amy referenced earlier, all of our righteousness, it's even as filthy rags before God. And you may look at your life and say, I, am, I have been so unclean. I'm so full of sin. How could I ever be made right with God? Well, the truth is, on your own, you never could be. You can't be religious enough. You can't do enough good acts to make up for your sin. You can't wish away everything. The reality is, you need a Savior. We all do. And here's the good news. God loved us so much that he did something for us that we were incapable of doing ourselves. He sent his one and only son, Jesus, who was pure in every way, born of a virgin and without sin. He lived the perfect life for us so that he could die, shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, so he could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Because of what Jesus did, if you call on him, he will forgive you, he will move into your life, He will make you a new creation. There are many of you that you're here today because God wanted you here. You are dead in your sins, and you need new life. Today, you're going to call on Jesus. You're going to ask him to save you. When you do, he will. All of your sins will be forgiven, and you'll be brand new. That's why you're here today. At all of our churches, those of you who would say, yes, I'm unclean, I'm impure, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. Jesus, take my life. You are here for this moment. Your prayer is, yes, I give my life to you. Today you find life in Christ. If that's you, at all of our locations, would you lift your hands high right now and say, yes, yes, I surrender my life to Christ. Just lift your hands right now. Those of you at church online, if you just click right below me, I'm giving my life to Christ. All of you just pray aloud with me as there are those at churches around the world, people coming to Christ. Just pray, Heavenly Father, I am impure. I am a sinner. And I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God who died for me so I could live for you. Save me from my sins. Make me brand new. As you gave your life for me, I give my life to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. I want to welcome all of you into the family of God, your local pastor, and they'll tell you what to do to begin your journey with Christ.